Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Pulse of Portland, a public affairs program of KKPZ with Paul Van Sickle. Thank you for listening to KKPZ 1330 The Truth. I'm Paul Van Sickle. And we also have a man with us today who's a Portland native. He's an artist. He uh, has his fourth poetry book coming out. I met him through uh, the GNCM Productions. And I met Montreal Goss last year at their first fundraiser. And we connected again this past week at the, at the second annual fundraiser that they had as he was hosting. And he's getting ready to launch out with his fourth book of poetry. And uh, he's got an inspiring story and inspiring words that God's been feeding him through his poetry and the things and the work he's doing in the community and the passion that he has in, in working with youth and, and really working in youth in the body of Christ and outside the body of Christ yeah. to, to really improve our community. So, Montreal, thanks so much for, for taking time to join us today here thanks on for having KKPZ, man. It's, uh, it's, it's good to have you on. First time I heard you speak, I think you, you started off last year at the fundraiser, just boom, right away <laughs> with one of your po- poems yeah. and spoken word. And man, that just once set the tone and, and blew me away. Let, let's talk about poetry in general for you you know this is your fourth book yeah so this is something that that's been good how did that all start for you actually it started off man as a a surprise i would say um growing up um i had trouble reading and writing i wasn't i wasn't really a good speller um i couldn't read and in high school i read at a middle school level Mm -hmm. um my handwriting was horrible um i you know i had to i had to hoop dream i wanted to be a basketball player in the nba um, but uh, I graduated in 2004 and I wrote a poem and uh, I, you know, I had to write assignments, poems and stuff yep. in, in school. And um, when I wrote, I wrote a poem called um, Sometimes. And, and then sometimes I wrote everything backwards. I said the ground, I said the grass was brown and the dirt was green. I said something, you know, it wasn't. To, if I look at it now, it wasn't really what I write now. But I read it, I read it to people and they was like, hey, man, that, that, that's kind of creative. And um you know, not thinking that God would use me like that, uh, I wrote another one. And uh, and as I start to write more poems and poems, uh, it was about 2005, uh, in, in, you know, later months in 2005, um, a lady came to me. I was working at uh, University Park Community Center, and um, uh, I, was a, I was a group leader, so I had to pick who I wanted to work under me as my staff. And I picked a couple people, and uh, one of the young ladies that I picked, I, we became real close, and her mom, I called her my god mom. I would start writing this book and I was just playing around. I was like, I'm gonna write this book and just, just playing around. And she came to me one day and said, Hey, uh, God told me to pay for pay for your book to come out. And I was like, nah, I was like, nah, nah. Cause I wasn't, I was in the church, but I wasn't in a church where I'm thinking that. Yeah. And she like, seriously. So I'm like, all right, I'll write the book, but I'm just playing around. And then like a month went past and she calls me on the phone. and was like, Hey, you know, I just want to make sure you're still writing the book, you know? And I, and I really wasn't really writing this book. And she was like, well, if you don't write this book, I can't do what God told me to do. Mm. I can't follow God's plan. This true story. And I said, you serious? She's like, yeah, God told me to pay for you to write this book. So I got to write. 
I start writing, I start writing. I, and I think my first book was like 27 pages, 29 pages. And I called her and I was like, it's done. And uh, she uh, wrote me a check for $1,500. Wow. $1,500. And I made my I made my book cover off of uh, uh, clip art and yep. uh, Google. <laughs> you know, my first book <laughs> was clip art and Google. You know, I made my cover page. I did everything. And I was like, well, I don't know the first thing about publishing a book. So I just Google mm-hmm. how to publish a book. And this guy from Portland name popped up in a... I looked him up and I called him on the phone and we met up. We had a meeting, and um, I and he said, "Hey, I go." He's the middleman. He went through the company. He went through the company. Company, and he said, "I get everything right. I get you some books." And I was like, "Well, how many books can you give me?" He said, "I get you seventy-five books. Hmm. Seventy-five books." And I said, "Well, yeah, let's do seventy-five books." You know, he's like, "What's your price range?" I told him my price range and everything, and he printed the book out for me, and it cost thirteen hundred dollars, thirteen hundred twenty-five dollars. I remember thirteen hundred twenty-five dollars. From my first copies, and I said, I said, okay, okay. So I told her I wrote the check. I had these books, and I'm driving around in my car. I got this box of books, and I really even paying attention to them, not really selling them. I'm in the malls, and everybody, I'm telling people, but I'm not really telling people because I don't, I want to be a basketball player. I don't got time for these books. So, so I'm in the mall one day, and somebody said, how much you selling these books for? I said, I'm selling them for ten dollars, ten dollars a book, and she gave me twenty dollars. She said, no, you should sell them for twenty dollars. Why should I sell for twenty dollars? She's like, because this is a good book. You sell for twenty dollars, but I still sell for twenty dollars. So I started to do that. So I, all those books went away. I lost those books. So I didn't write a book after that for six years. Six years I didn't write another book. I'm, I'm playing basketball in college. I'm went back to my basketball dream. Yeah, I'm doing that. And six years passed, and I, as the years went on, I started writing little poems, but I never really wanted to put another book. And six years passed, and I said, hey, man, I got a lot of poems here. I wrote, I wrote another book. You know, not you know, not one was titled, I'm Not a Writer, I Am Poetry. Mm. And I was going through that, and I wrote this book, and I saved up some money, and I self-published it this time. I did it myself, and I got a cover page. I hired somebody to do my cover page and do that, so I wrote that book, and I was like, man, this is really working. People started really buying my books. I started getting calls for shows and at schools, and I talk about God in my poems. I'm like, ain't no school's going to hire me because I talk about God. I say Jesus. Mm. I say Christ. Mm. And they like, we understand what you do. We understand what you're talking about. I was like, so I could still come? And they like, yeah. And I was like, all right. Two years later, I wrote another book after that. And that one was titled From My Pain to My Passion. Wrote that one. That was my biggest book. 198 pages was that one. And um, that one is on Amazon. It's on the Kindle. That was my first book on the Kindle. Yeah. I feel like that was a big accomplishment for me. <laughs> yeah. First book on the Kindle. People yeah. was buying them off the Kindle, off of Amazon.com. And um, I wrote this one. My last one was called Mixed Feelings. I wrote that one just... And I feel like God is saying, you know, you went through so much. And you needed mm-hmm. an outlet, and writing is my outlet. Um, and I and I and I love that He gave me that gift to speak. And a lot of people think writing a book is not my gift. Mm. Speaking is the gift. Speaking is my spiritual gift. Talking is my spiritual gift. Motivational speaking. I just use my poetry. I just write these books as a tool. The books is just a tool that I use to get my speaking out there. Mm. I don't just write about me. I write about anything that I see, whether it's a movie. Whether it's real life, whether it's on the news, whether it's my life, I write about it and I try to portray it because some people are scared to tell their story. So maybe I say something that could spark you to tell your story, and that's what I'm here for. And I think that's what God has me here for. And I'm blessed, you know, to be able to do these things, but to be on the show today, just tell about my story. But like I said, and I, and one message that I always tell people is things that you don't think you could do. God has a different plan for you because mm-hmm. I was that kid thinking I would never be able to read, I'd never be able to write. I'd never be able to spell. And God said, now you got people, you have something out there that people has to read. Mm, you wow. thought you couldn't read. 
and you putting things out there that people have to read. And he and he told me that and that that was one of the most powerful things that hit me in life <laughs> that I wasn't prepared for to hear. Yeah. But I'm I'm ready. I'm writing another one and I'm gonna keep writing. Uh, you know, I wanna retire from it. Writing these books and you know, and that's that's my dream now. Mm. Not basketball. Mm. It's, it's writing these books. You know, so that's my story in, you know, in a nutshell, but that's what it is, you know, so and we're talking with Montreal Goss and it's so incredible and that's why you have a passion now for kids and, and you know you're working with kids in the school district and in a lot of different ways but but talk about that go back to that kid that couldn't read well and write mm-hmm. and you know and you talked about the story of the, the amazing woman who, t- who told you you know God told her to give you 1500 bucks mm-hmm. you had right. people like that in your life right. that kept you on talk about some of those people talk about your life up to that point and kind of what you went through as a, as a young kid and, and how you're turning that around yeah, with um, kids you're working with now yeah I, um, I grew up in a single parent home uh, my mo- my mother had uh, five kids um, four boys and one girl uh, my little sister uh, she got meningitis when she was um, fresh out the womb pretty, mm. pretty much meningitis and uh, she, it, it, it caused her to be deaf uh, my little sister's deaf at the uh, right now uh, she's deaf um, and I like I was the youngest boy I'm the youngest of four out of my mom's kids um, my dad has seven boys uh, we have different uh, three of us have we have different mothers but um, growing up without a dad, being the youngest, it hurt me. It pierced hmm. me to this day. To this day, um, I still I still look at it. And even, I mean, if you have the book, some of my older books, if you have this new one, you will see that it still hurts me to this day. Is is wondering why. The question is why. Why wouldn't you want to be in your child's life? Like, hmm. I mean, I know we all go through things. I know we all struggle, but just why? Like, I wrote four books. Um, I think um, pretty. I think he has a book. I'm not sure if he has any other four. Hmm. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I think I gave him a couple of them. Um, I sent them to him. Um, uh, he called me yesterday, actually. Hmm. Dad called me yesterday. Um, uh, talking about my new book. I sent him a picture of it, uh, which was surprising. But um, just to just to grow up without that, I, I worked in the community centers. University Park Community Center since I was 13 years old, um, working as a, uh, I was a camp counselor at a summer day camp, um, and working with the kids, and I did the extreme. Um, I did everything I thought kids needed. I'm diving on the ground, playing dodgeball, I'm diving in the dirt. I felt like kids just needed that, that person that was older, and that could relate to them. And I was younger, but I was older, and I've been doing that ever since. I'm at Wilkes Elementary School right now, working with the kids, um, being, I mean, uh, you know, being being black and mm-hmm. uh, working in the school district. I know a lot. Of, I mean, you you see a lot of you see a lot of school districts. It's not too many blacks, African Americans, hmm. uh, uh, teachers of uh, of um, you know different racial background. They're mm-hmm. white. I mean, it, I mean, just just a uh, true statement. Yeah. Um, but to have that at and the because the, the, the kids are so diverse mm-hmm. now at every school. Oh yeah, across the board. Yeah, so diverse, and to have that diversity as far as the staff. It, it makes a good impact, man. I encourage anybody out there that's, you know, a different <laughs> if you if you're looking into going into working with kids, follow that. Follow mm-hmm. that dream because they need us out there. Mm-hmm. They need us out there and uh, working with that. But, yeah, but back to that, growing up without a parent, you know, my dad, it was hard for me. And I think that was one of the things that kind of pushed me to do what I do. I grew up, I had anger problems. Mm-hmm. I think it was feuding off of me, missing my dad and had anger problems. Had You know, I got into a lot of fights. I was, I used to be small, man. I used to be small real short uh real skinny and people used to think they could bully me mm. and things like that and i think just me growing up with our dad really pushed me to be better mm-hmm. i don't i don't want to teach my kids um i don't have any at this point but 
having some in the future. I don't want to teach my kids without having a dad. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to travel a lot. Even though I know my job as a book writer, you know, it it calls with traveling. I've been to Memphis. I've been to Atlanta, Houston. I've been to uh, El Paso, Texas. Mm-hmm. I've been to Oregon. I mean, uh, I've been. Uh, um, I've been, what, what is it called? Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to those places and I know it causes a lot of trouble, but I want to be able to be at a point where I can be there for my kids. And and it's just hard for kids out there. Uh, don't They don't have role models. <laughs> they, don't, they don't have people around that can be there for them. So that really pushed me to keep writing these books because reading right now, reading books is real key for kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we teach math. I know we teach science. I know we teach basketball, mm-hmm. football, and sports. But these kids need to learn how to read. And, uh, you know, picking up a book is really important. And that's why I decided not to be a rapper. Or people, A lot of people ask me, you write poetry, why do you want to be a rapper? It's not the same. It's not the same. Mm-hmm. And plus, my thing is this, every age can read. Mm-hmm. So whether you 100 years old or one year old, you can pick up a book. But everybody doesn't listen to all rap. Everybody doesn't listen to all R&B. Everybody doesn't listen to all rock, mm-hmm. country music. Everybody don't listen to all that. But everybody can read a book. Mm-hmm. Doesn't It doesn't matter. You know, because they're not going to see who you are, you know, as you read these books. And that's why we're pushing me to be a writer, because I want to talk about the things that people are scared to talk about, afraid to talk about, or feel like nobody's going to listen. Mm. You know, and that what pushes me. Um, not knowing how to read and write was a big blessing to be able to write these books now. I feel like yeah. I use words that I never even thought I could even say sometimes. And I can spell these words <laughs> now, like without looking in the dictionary. And I was, I was, I was, uh, my question to my teachers was, they used to say, well, look it up in the dictionary. And I used to say, well, if I don't know how to spell it, I'm going to look it up in the dictionary. <laughs> we have autocorrect now for that, right? I mean, Why don't right. I know this technology is crazy. So uh, I, used to, I asked my teacher, I don't know how to spell it. So if I don't know how to spell it, I'm going to look it up in the dictionary. Uh, well, sound it out. Well, I'm trying. It ain't coming out right. You know, so it was, it was, it was, it was crazy just learning different things in different uh, ways uh, to look up words in a dictionary. Yeah. Feeling out your vocabulary. <laughs> But that was always my favorite question to my teachers, man. And one story I would tell, uh, I was telling everybody a story is I, when I wrote my, wrote my, I wrote my second book. I wrote my second book. I went back to Roosevelt High School. I graduated from Roosevelt High School. I went back, and one of my teachers, I was hard on me. She was hard on me, hard. And uh, I went back, and I said, uh, I went back to her, and I said, Hey, remember, remember I was in your class? And she, I remember you. And uh, in high school, my name was Joker. I was a class clown. My name was Joker. And I, I went back to her. I said, Remember you used to make me read all these books and. And all this, she said, yeah, you know, use my class. And I threw a book on her desk. I said, now you have to read my book. Mm. You know, it was a joke. I walked away. But I, I went back. We shook hands and we hugged. And she understood what I was saying. And she looked at me and she said, I'm proud of you. Mm. I'm proud. And I was on you. I said, thank you. Thank you for being hard on me. Calling my mom, emailing my mom. Thank you because I needed that. I needed everybody to be hard on me. Even though you, I did get picked on. Sometimes I wasn't doing anything wrong and I still got picked on. My yeah. teachers are still on me. But... I still look at what, what when I was wrong, and they and they were on me. Hmm. Whether I got suspended from school, referrals, they taught me lessons that I needed to know, and 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 it was good that they stayed on me. They didn't just give up on me, and just give up on it. Well, he's not gonna listen anyways. I'm not gonna. I don't even want to talk to him. No, they said no. He don't wanna listen. We gonna make him listen, hmm. and I thank him for that. Do you think that's one of the biggest problems? today with with the way some of the youth are, are going some of the problems is is that there, there's not enough people who are making sure that these lessons are getting learned yeah I, I really i strongly believe that i strongly believe that a lot of teachers um like i said i mean you know as even the school i work at um 
it's it's a lot of women mm-hmm. for one. It's a lot of women staff, mm-hmm. and then there's not a lot of diversity staff in the schools. And I think a lot of a lot of teachers, um, even me growing up, a lot of teachers in the school districts, even I mean, and a lot of principals, a lot of community, they they encourage people to get into the field of the schools, whether it's mm-hmm. a teacher, whether it's a mentor, as a counselor, they encourage it. And I think it's a lot of teachers that don't understand. They don't mm-hmm. understand these kids, and and I think they're not encouraging them because they don't understand. And I think a lot of people say you fear things you don't understand, and I think you don't understand a lot. And I grew up like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of teachers, I mean, and you know, not I'm not racist whatsoever. Never have been. I I, I, I respect every teacher that I don't care what color you was. <laughs> yeah. I respect every teacher that was there for me. But a lot of I mean, I mean, you grow up, you grow up in the suburbs. Just say like you grew up in the suburbs. You grew up in the country. You're you're a teacher now mm-hmm. in a in a in an urban community you don't know how to talk to a kid where who dad got shot or mm. who, who, who father wasn't there and i know it's a stereotypical thing as black kids grow up single parents and a lot of people say that and yeah we do you know and it is it is true yeah. <laughs> i mean we can't hide <laughs> yeah. against the truth we and you know you see it i grew up in you know yeah. and but a lot of things you have to understand is you put yourself in that position Mm-hmm. As a teacher, as a staff member in the school, you walk through that door every day. I have a badge, just like you have a badge. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wouldn't care what color you are. We all the same color. When, when I got interviewed, when I got interviewed for the job, they said, "How big is diversity to you?" And I said, "What do you mean by diversity?" I said, "Is diversity a color? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're saying to me?" And they said, "Well, we're just asking you a question." <laughs> and I said, "Well, diversity to me is not a race. Diversity could be my athletic ability." Compared to your athletic ability, mm. I might be better at basketball than you. That's diversity mm. to me. Yeah, you might be white, I might be black. You might be Asian, I might be black. You might be Mexican, I mean, that's diversity to me. You know what I mean? You might learn different than me. That's mm-hmm. the, I said everything is diversity to me. When I answered that question, they they looked at me in, in this interview. People at the staff, the mm. panel looked at me and said, "Man, we never got that answer ever." Mm. And I said, "And that's why you should hire me because you're gonna get different than what you ever have seen." Yeah. And 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 I got the job. But, you know, <laughs> and, um, but I just think diversity is so boxed. Mm. I think they box diversity as, you know, just, just race. It's, yeah, it's filling. Yeah, it's yeah. we need to make sure we have certain number of certain people. That's what it and is. that's what it is. But it, you're right. It's not. It's more than that. It's, it's, it's culture. It's, it's mentality. It's thought process. It's everything, and that's man. what and that's what is and that's needed. Because I, I, I mean, honest truth, I have a, a, a she's a, she's a younger white girl. She's about fourth grade. And. That's my best friend after school. Yeah. Like, I mean, when I went back, she cried. I'm mm. talking about tears of joy. Like, and and I try to tell people, man, it doesn't matter. I'm here for everybody. I'm mm-hmm. trying to hug every student in this school. You know, we got 90, 90 plus kindergartners at that school. And, uh, I'm trying to meet all of them. Yeah. I'm trying to meet all of them. Cause that, and the reason why I say kindergartners is because that's the youngest in our school is kindergartners. Mm-hmm. And that's where it starts. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, that's where it starts. You have to get them young. I mean, I know we got, it's kindergarten through fifth grade. Mm-hmm. and But I'm trying to start with the kindergartners. Not that I'm taking attention off the fifth graders, but if the kindergartners don't have help, yeah, who does? Yeah. And and that's where I'm starting. That's why I went back. I, I actually stopped working last year. I actually went back uh, Friday. I went back. Um, I, I took six months off. I was finishing my book. And God told me, hey, Trail, we need you back there. Um, these kids, they need you. Um, and I prayed. I said, God, you want me to go back? Because I thought you told me. You want me to do my book? Yeah. Like, you want me to go back? I said, God, if you want me to go back, uh, you know, make it work for me. Make it work for transportation and everything. And they made it work. Hmm. And, you know, and they made it. And I, and I said, okay, God, I'm going to go back. And I went back. And 
I went back and, uh, and I'm glad to be back. I'm yeah. glad to be back. The kids love me. I love the staff. I love all my staff, man. I love all my staff there. I want them to know if you anybody here this. <laughs> I love all my staff, man. I love our team. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we're building something new there. And uh, I'm glad to be a part of this community. Well, and we're glad that you're here. And again, I have kids in Portland Public Schools, so I see some of the same things that you do. Um, you know, and yeah, having strong male role models, and especially yeah. for us as, as Christians, to have a strong Christian male yeah. role model that's there in the school that you're able to. I mean, you specifically relate to all these kids that don't have any yeah. male role models in life because that's how you grew up yeah. and you know you talked about the the, the GNCM thing you're talking about how all the moms that you had growing up yeah, which were great yeah, and that's what got man. you through all your moms but yeah to, to be able, for you to be able to go back and and provide some of the stuff that you didn't have is huge and for you to allow yourself to be used by God in that way yeah. in that specific setting is so awesome well let's get to some of your poetry because we're running out of time and, um, for, for this interview so let's uh, I want you to share a poem and before you do that too uh, tell people about the book release which is coming up yeah, and where um, they can find it and get a hold of it. Yeah, the book release is going to be at Mekon Bristow. That's on March 6th. March 6th at Mekon Bristow. The address, 8200 Northeast Siskiyou Street, Portland, Oregon, 97220. That's at Mekon Bristow. It's off of 82nd in Siskiyou. I'm going to be there. It's my birthday and my book yeah. signing. <laughs> uh, together, I'm going to be there in... Um, we're going to be there all day, all night. You can bring the kids. It's family-oriented. Uh, just come as a enjoyable thing. I'm going to be there all night meeting and greeting. You can meet me, take pictures with me. I'm willing to take pictures with everybody that yeah. comes. I'm signing every book. I hope everybody could come. Anybody make it. Um, I hope I can see everybody. There is my fourth one. It's, it's titled Mixed Feelings. Mixed Feelings. I'm going to read a few poems today. I'm glad to be on this radio station. I hope you hope you could come. hope you enjoy what I read today. And um, You can always talk to me. I'm on Instagram, I'm on my Facebook. Um, you could email us at gospelnerdsinc.com. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's me. It's me. You could talk to me. It's not like somebody talking for me. It's actually yeah. really me. Um, I'm on Instagram at Trell Goss. That's T-R-E-L-L-G-O-S-S. Uh, Instagram on Mixed Feelings uh, 2015. Um, you, could, you, could, you could email me. Anytime you can email me at Trellgoss at gmail.com. I mean, it's, it's really me. All right. What, what's the first one you're going to read for us here? First one I'm going to read is, uh, is titled Help Wanted. Help Wanted. Uh, I'm not going to talk too much about it uh, because I want you to really under, I want you to hear it. And then I'll talk about it. I want you to hear it. It's called Help Wanted. I said a young boy was standing on the corner with a sign I could barely read. He had holes in his clothes, no shoes, no socks. So I just assumed the sign said something that he needs. So I pulled over. I reached out and I tried to hand him a $5 bill. The boy shook his head no and pushed my head back. I was shocked like this can't be real. I drove off puzzled, confused. I didn't understand. Why did he do that? Why didn't the boy take his money from my hand? The next day I saw the young boy, but this time I had a 20 in my hand. The boy shook his head no and pushed my head back once again. I quickly pulled over. I hopped out my car and I walked right over. I asked the young boy, why are you doing this? What's up with the cold shoulder? The young boy spoke and said, I have a place to stay. I have clothes and I have food to eat. I'm not here for money. Help is what I need. I'm trying to meet my Lord and Savior, but nobody wants to talk to me. They think because I'm standing on this corner, money is all I need. I spoke and said, I'm sorry I assumed. I should have took time to ask. But I assume because when I see people, money is all they ask. I hope I can help you in any way I can. 
And if I ever can't read a sign again, I will never assume again. I just have one question. What did your sign really say? He said, it said, help wanted. I'm trying to meet Jesus. Can you help me in any way? Mm. Wow. Yeah, and he told you that told me before we started. You know, the Lord, you know, gave yeah, that. He gave that he to me. Sometimes I drive. I'm honest truth. I, I drive and I see people in that corner, yeah. and I just keep on going past. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes I don't have anything to give them, but sometimes you know I just turn away. And sometimes we don't know what those signs really say. And and I and somebody asked me. I read the poem. They said, "What would you really do if you saw that sign? Would you really pull over? Hmm. What would you say to him about God?" And that question hit me tough because hmm. I haven't experienced that yet and what would I really do and it's a great reminder too of you know meeting meeting immediate needs is important and that's something we're right. called biblically to do but beyond that the reason why m- making sure we remember the reason why we're called to do that and to meet needs yeah. oh man yeah that's that's good. All right, can you get? We got time. Maybe one more. Can yeah, you get one um, more. Fourth? This one is called Young Boy. And by the way, I'm proud of you that you're sitting still in the mic. I didn't know if we were gonna be able to do this without you walking around and uh, doing it. I know, <laughs> right? Because like... you know I'm more animated. I know good. you are. No, you're, you're good. good. You're I good. I have to learn. But this one's called Young Boy. This is uh, for the community. If you're listening, mm. uh, this is for the community, and uh, it's kind of my story, but it's it's, it's more about uh, a lot of people's stories. So uh, here we go. I said I asked a young boy, was his father still in the picture? Caught me off guard when he showed me a wallet size. He starts shaking. You could tell his heart was racing, eyes glazed as a tear forms in his eyes. Tells me a story about how his father left him. Made him another statistic in a world that doesn't always accept him. Teachers and staff in the schools don't understand his pain or can relate to him, so they call him a problem child and start to reject him. So if it takes a village to raise a child, he must be living on an island of his own. Because it wasn't just his father, but also his community that left him. A shame. And no disrespect to protests and things that's happening around the world, but when are we going to take a stand in our own neighborhoods to make a change? We got young boys in our own city with their arms stretched out, crying for help, and people walk right by them, scanned to the living hand. To me, that's kind of strange. Strange because those same young boys that they scared to help, they talk about on social media and blast them on the news, yelling, this gang violence has to stop. There must be something that we can do, but we can't. Because nowadays, community centers are about money and politics. And if you don't have that $5 to go play hoops in the gym, you get kicked out of it. Basically sending them right back to the news, I mean right back to the streets, and people get right back on the news saying they need to stay out of it. Man, this is making me sick. We need to have things for these young boys to do. Not robbing them for what most of their parents don't have. To me, that doesn't make any sense. But I guess the rich are going to stay rich, the poor are going to stay poor, and these young boys still going to stay lost until their fathers step up and that community help out that much more. Where's the love? Hmm. That's Montrell Goss. He has joined us today. He has his uh, fourth book of poetry coming out called Mixed Feelings. Uh, next Friday, March 6th, 6 o'clock. It's when the, the party's getting started yes, yes, at the yes. Mekong Bistro over off Northeast Siskiyou. Um, and Montreal, thanks so much Thank you for, for what you do. Man, thanks man. so much again for, for letting God use you. You have an incredible story Thank you. Thank of, of God's work in your life and how you're, you're so invested in the community yeah, and, and right and wrongs. Yeah, and anybody, uh, I just want to tell anybody, I mean, I'm open for booking. If you want to book mm-hmm. me, um, just book me at God's, Gospel Nerds, Inc. Uh, that's G-O-S-P-E-L-N-E-R-D-Z-I-N-C at gmail.com. Um, Trail Goss, T-R-E-L-L-G-O-S-S at gmail.com. Um, I do, uh, you know, uh, youth events. I, I write special poems for special events, weddings, birthdays, 
funerals. I know it's sad. Um, I do them. Um, anything you want to book me for, I'm open for booking. Uh, I want to thank Paul for having me here on the <laughs> show. Uh, it, was, it was short notice, and uh, he got me in. I, I appreciate the blessing. Yeah, well, I appreciate you. And, again, we're going to have more, more conversations uh, coming back here on the Rose City Forum on KKPZ 1330, The Truth. This has been the Pulse of Portland with Paul Van Sickle. Email comments, questions, and topic ideas to publicaffairs at kkpz.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.